0: Hey, welcome to the Transforming Life Church podcast. We hope this encourages you and inspires you in your journey with Christ. So sit back, relax, and check out this week's message. How are we doing today? Everybody good? It's good to see everybody. Welcome to Transforming Life. Uh, once again, if we have not met, my name is Kyle. I'm the lead pastor here, and just as Pastor Haley said a few minutes ago, we have been praying and believing the you of a life-changing experience with Jesus today. We want you to encounter the presence and the power of God. That, that's our heart. That's our prayer for you. In fact, that's one of our core values. That's like our first core value. Last and that's the most important thing. Is that you encounter the power and presence of God Because that is what changes our lives Amen And so we want you to experience that every week um, That you are here with us Before we start our message Just want to throw one quick thing out there man. Our students are going to be going to youth camp uh, This week They're going to be leaving tomorrow Pastor Trevor is taking a kids. Alicia is going with them as well Let's be pray for them this week That they encounter the power and presence of God I, I can't wait to hear uh, what God does in their life uh, This week I think we have about 12 students that are going this week to you camp and it is going to be awesome and I'm praying and believing when you pray and believe with me that they would encounter God this week, amen, uh, so excited to be able to, to see that and hear that um, when they come back we have been in a series called uh, pressure points over the past several weeks, we're going to close that out today, um, but anybody ever, you ever quit something before huh, you, ever, you ever feel like man I just I'm done, I want to quit, I'm done it, it could be a number of different things. It could be as simple as maybe a uh, family game night. Uh, you know, that Monopoly game's is going a little too long and, and before you know it, the board's getting flipped, the money's raining down in the house like we've had it. Come on, anybody, have you ever had that kind of game night at your house? A and little race cars flying across the room, you know. done. T- quit, tired of this game, six hours. still playing Monopoly, you're right. Maybe some Bruno games went awry over, over the years, whatever maybe has happened in your life. Um, maybe parents, you've got some kids, and maybe you've heard uh, off of the Destiny, I'm not playing with you anymore. I quit. I heard that yesterday out in our front yard. I was getting ready. The kids We bought them new fishing poles, uh, and uh, they were wanting to go fishing. And so, of course, when you get a new pole, you got to pull the line out. You got to tie it. You got to get all the gear rigged up and everything. So I'm out there tying things. And uh, and you know they put the cheapest line they possibly can on on these new rods, and so like every time I try to tie brakes, breaks. Ted, you know what I'm talking about? Like this is, I'm like, man, this is frustrating. And the kids are fighting because they're impatient. I'm like, wait, stop! You know, like I want to quit. I'm quitting right now. I quit. I'm going to the house. And so like, all right, Dad, we'll, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go. We'll give you some space. We're gonna so they go ride their bikes. We live like near cul de sac so they're down there riding bikes. And all of a sudden, I hear. Uh, little Angie, Andy, six-year-old, is not, I'm not playing with you anymore. I quit. She's stopped. So, uh, and that happened. That's an often uh, you know, occurrence in our home. But yeah, yeah, maybe you've wanted to quit some things before. Maybe there's something you've, you've tried and maybe you just didn't see it through and you decide, you know, uh, this isn't for me. I I, I I quit. Maybe for some of you, it's your marriage at times. Maybe you're coming in here today and maybe that, that's your marriage today and it's like, man, I don't know. I don't know, things aren't the way they used to be, or, or maybe there's some struggle, maybe there's some heaviness, and maybe there's some things going on, and it's like maybe maybe you feel that tension and that pressure. Maybe, maybe you're ready to quit. Maybe it's just as simple as a bad day, everything seems to be going wrong, and you just come to the end of the day, it's like, just throw your hands up, I don't know what to do, I, I quit. Maybe it's a job that you've experienced before, and, and you're ready to quit. Uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon, he, he's on the Tonight Show, and, uh, and he does these like funny hashtags sometimes. And so there's these hashtags, how I quit. So basically he gets people to, to tweet on Twitter uh, like different hashtags about how they would quit a, a job or just something in general. And I just thought it would be really fun to share those uh, with you today. So one of those is, uh, my boss told me to leave my problems at the door, so I told him to go stand outside. <laughs> it's a good way to quit or get fired, one of other. I had a job once where I had to change the front sign for the business, and I went outside, and I put, I quit, bye, and left. So my boss I'm quitting my job to pursue my dream of not working here. I was playing hide and seek with the neighbors, but didn't wanna play anymore, so when they were hiding, I just went inside. I shouted, I'm never coming back here again. I slammed the door, and then I ran right back in because I forgot my jacket. Listen, we, we quit. Oftentimes because we feel like we just we can't make it anymore. We we can't take it anymore, we can't keep going through this. Maybe we feel like we can or we won't make it through. Or maybe a lot of times we quit is because we're not getting the desired outcome. It's like, hey, hey, this isn't quite working out the way that I thought it should. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's like the job started off good, everybody was real nice because you got that honeymoon period, you know, like everybody maybe you got going and you got going and, and you got to like man this is not how it was when when i started maybe that's your marriage even it's like man we were so in love when we got married you got a honeymoon period in your marriage too after that first year and now after this first couple years it's like man this is a lot of work I mean, maybe you feel like that tension is there because because it's not the desired outcome we do this sometimes in our relationship with god Got in it, we felt those goosebumps, and then, you know, at first we get saved, it's, like, woo Jesus, yeah, let's go. Somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, it's like, man, I this is not what I thought it was going to be. Or maybe you've been praying, and you've been praying, and, and maybe you haven't seen, again, that desired outcome just yet, what you want to see happen. Oftentimes we quit in the middle of our prayers, or we quit because we don't think God's moving the way we think he should move. Right? Do you have a faith that lasts? James is all about having faith It's this contrast between our faith and our works and, and we've been talking about James Throughout this whole series of pressure points And if you remember when we first started We talked about how, how James was over the, the mother church of Jerusalem And this church was made up of mostly Messianic Jews So Jews who had, had given their life to Christ Tra- Traditional Jews who had given their life to Christ They're starting to follow Jesus And in this particular area, it's mostly made up of devout Jews who are now persecuting them, right? And and there's other things going on in the culture. There's famine, there's poverty, there's all these issues. They're facing a lot of pressure. And so James is trying to encourage them, hey, have faith. And he talks about having faith in the midst of trials. We talked about that the first week. He talked about having faith in the midst of temptations that we might face in this life. We talked about, I believe it was Pastor Jean talked about having conflict with people, right? They were experiencing some conflict within their church and with other people outside of the church. And, and we talked about having, uh, how to navigate that pressure in conflict. And there's been all these different things that we've talked about. And today I want to talk to you about the pressure to quit. Because there's some times when we feel like, again, we're not seeing it the way we think we, we want it to happen or the way we think it should play out. And, and sometimes we just we just want to quit if we're real honest. It's true. Do you have a faith that will last, Even when difficult times come, do you have a faith that will say, no, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep serving God. Well, We have a faith that perseveres. Listen, trusting God is not about getting our way, but it's about surrendering our will. This is not about getting our way or, or, or getting the things that we want. Even though God blesses us, This is about surrendering our will. What did Jesus pray? You remember the the Lord's prayer, this, this teaching that Jesus did on prayer to his disciples? He said what? Not my will be done, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray, when we pray, we're at this intersection between heaven and earth. And we're praying, God, your will be done here and now on this earth. That should be our motivation. That should be our objective. I was praying with the worship team before service. And and as I was praying, I just dropped this in my mind. But but we should just be here just to worship God. Not to get anything out of it. Even though, again, God will bless us. And yes, we do. There is uh, freedom in God's presence. God will give us joy in His presence. God will will do things and say things in His presence. But, But we should just be here just to simply love on Him and worship Him because He deserves all the honor and all of the glory. It's not about getting our way, it's about surrendering our will. Understand that God is sovereign. We're gonna talk a little bit about that here in just a few minutes, but God is sovereign over our life. He's sovereign over our activities, over our accomplishments. So how can we have faith that lasts through the ups and the downs? And this last week of pressure points, let's talk about this, let's talk about the pressure to quit. Do you have a faith that's going to persevere? Do you have a faith that's going to push through? Do you have a faith that's going to last, even when you're seeing things that, that you don't want to see and experience? Turn to James chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 13 and we're going to spill over into chapter 5 a little bit as well. James chapter 4, verse 13. Now, listen. You who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spending a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Hey, wait a minute, so encouraging, James. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. Also, boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin. For them. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and mocked and eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded, that corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are carrying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who is not opposing you. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing out the door. Brothers and sisters, an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, brothers and sisters, don't swear, not by heaven or by earth or anything else. All you need to say is simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Come on, let's pray this morning. Father, we love you. God, we give you all the glory and honor today. God, I pray that your word would would speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, speak to us today, God, so that we can change, God, so that we can be the people you are calling us to be, God, so that we can grow, God, so that we don't stay the same, Lord. But no matter what comes our way, God, we will have a faith that perseveres, that will last even when we want to quit. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. First thing I want to talk to you about today is that a faith that perseveres is humble before the sovereignty of God. A faith that perseveres is humble before the sovereignty of God. Go back to chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. James says, now listen, you you say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city and spend a year, there, carry on business and make money. Why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead you are saying, if it's the Lord's will, we live and do this and that. As it is you boast in your arrogant schemes, all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. We have to be humble before the sovereignty of God. What is the sovereignty of God? Let me simply put it like this, God is in control. God is in control. That is the sovereignty of God, that He is in control. Guess what? He is in control over the earth. He is sovereign over the earth. He is sovereign over heaven. He is in control of your life. He is sovereign over your life, Your comings, your goings. He's sovereign over your laying down and your coming up again. He's sovereign over your suffering. God is in control. And to know that, it should give us hope. Right? It should give us comfort. It should give us peace to you know, that God is in control no matter what we go through. He is in control. We just need to realize that we have a different point of view than God has. God sees things a little different than we do, right? A, a picture a parade. Right? We've got a couple of parades that come through town here a couple of times a year. And, and, and you might see a parade. And, and we, on our end, we see a parade progressively. In other words, we see it one band at a time, one school at a time, one float at a time, one business at a time, right? God sees the whole thing all at once, right? God sees the whole thing all at once. He sees the whole parade. He sees the whole package. And that's why without faith, it's impossible to please God. You got to believe he sees what you can't. God sees what you can't. You've got to believe that he sees what is not visible to us because we can't see around the corner. We can't see, but God can. We oftentimes can't see because our focus gets off. We can be so consumed with so many different things and we're distracted and our focus gets off so many times. We can be so consumed with this material world. We are living in a material world and I am a material girl. Come on, 80s kids, where you at? <laughs> I'm just quoting someone. But we can be so consumed with the material world that we can become blind to spiritual realities. We can be so focused on the here and now. We can be so focused on earthly things that, that we can become blind to what God is wanting to do. Right? We can lose eternal focus. We can often make plans and start that uh, James a little bit and he's like, what are you doing? You're making plans and you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. But you, do, you know who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? Yeah, God does. That's why. He can see around the corner. He can see the whole thing. We can't. We often make plans and we'll start them and, and this is what we do. Hey, hey, God, you know what? I'm doing this thing, right? I'm doing this thing and you know, it feels really good so it must be you. It must be okay. So I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And, 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 and oh yeah, well, will you just bless it? Right, I know I didn't pray about it, but God, will you just, will you just bless it, please? Right? Can, can, can you just make it work out? Because I really want this, this thing, right? Sometimes we get out ahead of God, if we even involve him at all. And then there's times when we go through difficulties. And in those moments, we take our eyes off God and what he's doing or what he's wanting to do. It's in those difficult moments in life that we really need to lean into God even more. But oftentimes we pull away from Him. We forget that even when we don't see it, He's working. God is sovereign. He's in control. It's over our life, over our death. He is sovereign over activities and accomplishments. To have a faith that perseveres, we've got to stay humble before the sovereignty of God. We stay humble by staying close to God. That's how we we do it. And we stay close to God through prayer. Prayer is not about getting things that we want. It's about not my will. Your will be done. Why God's will? Because he is sovereign and he's in control. And I'm not. You're not. God is in control. And prayer reminds us that we're not in control. And it keeps us close to the one who is. That's what prayer does. It sharpens our focus. It's like a camera that had this lens, and you can, you can, you can zoom in on a, on a person, and, and then the background will be blurry, or you can change it, and the background can be in focus, and the focal point can be. You know, Olivia's always going around taking pictures. She does a great job. She's our social media coordinator, and, 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 and she can take that lens, and she can zoom it in on the right thing, and, and make it nice and clear, and, and everything else will be fuzzy. And then that, that's what prayer does for us. It zooms in on the things that God wants us to see and do. You've gotta have the right focus. So let's stay humble before a God who is in control. James puts it in perspective, verses 13 through 16. He talks about how, how we're just here for a little while. Our life in comparison to eternity, we're just a little speck. Just a little tiny speck in comparison to eternity. We're here for just a little while, right? He says you don't even know what's gonna to happen tomorrow. Your, your life doesn't miss, it's short. It would be better that we pray for God's will to be done. Why? Because life is short and we need to make the most of it while we're here doing God's will. So, in light of what James is saying here, how should we react to the fact that God is sovereign, that He's in control of all things, and the fact that we we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring? How should we respond to that? How should we live our life? How should that change the way we spend our money? How should that change the way we live our lives? How should that change the way we interact with people? How should should that change the way we are about his business? Think about that for a minute. God is in control. We're not. We don't even know what tomorrow is going to bring, but God does. So how should that affect our thinking and the way that we live our lives? And you need to chew on that a little bit this morning. James says it's better to do God's will and if you know what you should do and you don't do it, guess what that is? Sin. We like to talk about the don't do this a lot. In fact, people know the church a lot more for what we're not supposed to do than what we are supposed to do. We like to focus in on the Hey, we're not supposed to do this. Don't drink, smoke, chew, hang around with girls that
1: do, right? We like to focus on all the don'ts, but what about the do's?
0: Maybe we should focus more on what we're supposed to be doing.
1: Because it's just enough sin if we
0: don't do what we know we're supposed to do. James lays it out pretty flat blunt for us right here. So the next point I want to make for you is this. A faith that perseveres is obedient to the will of God. A faith that perseveres, a faith that lasts, is humble for the sovereignty of God and is obedient to the will of God. There are sins of commission and sins of omission. Sins of commission are doing what God has said not to do, and sins of omission is disregarding what God has said to do. Think of some examples. Think of some some things that God has said not to do. Are you not doing them in your life? Think of some some things that maybe you know God has said to do. Are you doing them in in your life? Is, Is it that you're spending more time in prayer? Is it that praying for that person? You know, it's been on your heart, on your mind, but you haven't, you have prayed for them. What, what do we often do? Oh yeah, I'll pray for you, brother. Oh, you're going through it. Yeah, I'll pray for you, and then we just say that up for them in the moment. But then, do we actually pray for them? Maybe it was paying for somebody's meal. You have that just nudging of the Holy Spirit, in, and it's like, man, I really thought I should pay for this person's meal. But, but how many times do we do that? Or or encouraging that person across the street Or whatever it might be Witnessing, whatever it might be There's there's things that God wants us to do How many times do we do them? James says, it's sin if we don't do it Why? Because a faith that lasts Is to be obedient to the will of God And regardless of which one it is Whether it's a sin of omission or a sin of commission They both require repentance And a change in our life They're both disobedience to God. And the farther away we go from Him, the less we can hear Him. Come on, you got a favorite radio station that you like to listen to? Right? Maybe it's the FM or Spirit FM or some other station. My son likes 93.7. It's real life radio. It's like Christian hip hop. He's like, I don't listen to the rap station, Dad. All right, man. As long as it's talking about Jesus, I don't care. But yeah, the further you get away from town, the further you get away from that local station or whatever it is, the harder it is to hear, right? You get static, right? That's annoying, John. I hate it. It's like shh shh like shh, shh. I'm like, oh man, I can't understand what i are saying. It's like with regular rap songs. But anyway. The further you drive away, the weaker that signal gets on the radio. Eventually, if you keep driving away from the signal, you won't even be able to get that station at all. And that's what sin and disobedience does. It distances us from God. Whether it's a sin of omission or a sin of commission. To have a faith that perseveres, you not only have to know the will of God, but we also have to do the will of God. Right? Not just about knowing it. It doesn't do any good just to know it. That's great. You can quote a bunch of scriptures. Awesome. Are you living it out in your life? Because c- c- the devil knows the scripture. Are we doing it? Do we know it? And are we doing it? Again, that goes back to a really big theme throughout James faith versus works. What you believe comes out in your behavior. Right? A faith that doesn't quit but perseveres is humble to the sovereignty of God, is obedient. To his will. And it's confident in the justice of God. Because there's some times in our life. When we go through things. Whether it's suffering. Whether it's trials. Whether it's injustice. Whatever it might be. And we go through it. And it's like. Oh this is difficult. And I, I just want to quit. But a faith that lasts. A faith that perseveres. Is confident in the justice of God. It's confident in the sovereignty of God. Because he is in no matter what we go through, so we see him list out these things at the beginning of chapter five, and starts talking about the wealthy. Now, now, now let me just point out this because he comes out really strong, and it seems like he's really coming down hard on on rich people. And it's not wrong to have wealth. It's not wrong to have things. It's not wrong to be rich. It's just wrong what we do with it. Are, are those things a priority in your life? Do we do we hold those things as idols, or do those come before God? Because when it does, yes, then it's a problem. And that's what James is speaking to. He's likely not actually speaking to wealthy people, but about them for the benefit of the oppressed believers that are present. Again, remember, there's poverty going on at this time. In context, there's, there's, there's poverty, there's famine. And some of the rich people were getting richer, and the poor people were, were not. They were getting poorer, and some dying even. So James is speaking to that, and it serves as a warning to not be on the wrong side of God's rescue because he talks about, he tells the believers, hey listen, you got to hold on, hold on, don't give in, hold on, because I'm, the Lord is coming, he's going to return, he's gonna, so we got to make sure we're not on the wrong side of God's rescue plan, because the Lord is coming to judge the sinful and also rescue the righteous, amen? So he speaks, obviously, he, he speaks against uh, hoarding wealth, and God is coming to judge those that hoard wealth. Uh, It talks about the treasures on earth would bring about their torment in eternity. Uh, It talks about cheating workers. Their possessions were accumulated while people were dying. It talks about living in self-indulgence. They were overfed and unconcerned for condemning men. Their oppressors of others would lead to their own damnation. So God is coming to judge the wicked, but also to deliver the faithful. Jesus himself gives a warning in the book of Luke. Chapter 12. Chapter 12, starting in verse 13. Someone in the cross said, a Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of of possessions. In other words, stuff is just stuff. It's not eternal. Jesus is trying to get them to have an eternal perspective, right? And he told them this parable the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from me. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not what rich toward God. In other words, avoid the temptation just to live for yourself. This is really easy. Avoid the temptation just to live for yourself. Our life is not our own. We are here on purpose, for a purpose, for God's purpose. It's, it's not our own. And the sooner we learn that, the sooner, uh, the, the better off we're going to be. And, and we've got to start living like there's no tomorrow. Because why? Because Jesus is coming soon. And, and, and Jacob's lay this out for them. Like, Listen, there's no time to play. Your life is a vapor. It's a mist. It's going to be here today and all tomorrow. Jesus himself says, why are you storing up all this stuff? Because your very life is going to be asked of you. Come on, let's let's make the most of of every day, of every moment that we have, not for ourselves, but for the glory of God. Amen? Because He is in control. He is sovereign. And we're to do His will because of it. Jesus is coming soon. There's much to do to prepare ourselves and to prepare others to be ready for that. No matter what happens, the goal is God's will. be done, Even in our suffering, Even in our suffering. So faith that perseveres is patient in suffering. James chapter 5 verse 7 through 11. Be patient then brothers and sisters until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters. Oh, you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. We're to be patient even in suffering, like a farmer waiting for the harvest. We're to trust in God with what we cannot control and honor God with what we can control. There's some things that are just beyond our control and we can get so caught up with that and get so focused on that but we can't really even do anything about it. So we just gotta trust in God with what we cannot control. Why? Because He's sovereign and He is in control. So trust in God with what we cannot control and honor God with what we can. Like the farmer waiting for the harvest. Like a prophet speaking the truth. The, the prophet was not always liked. So the prophet spoke the truth of God. God would speak to the prophet. They would tell Sometimes it would be uh, a promise from God. Sometimes it would be, uh, you know, sometimes it would be good news Sometimes it was a rebuke and it was like, hey, you better straighten up. And the people didn't always listen. It was tough to be a prophet. It still is. And we're not always like truth hurts. Like Job, it says, Have patience like Job. If you remember, Job went through a, a ton of suffering. And he kept hoping in God's promise. People tell him, Why don't you just curse God and die? Why don't you just give up? Why don't you just quit? And he hoped in God's purpose and in his promise. He endured suffering until God answered The word perseverance in the Greek is hugemonia. And it carries the meaning of being persistent. It reflects an active faith, a work while you wait kind of faith. God will sustain you just like Job in His love and compassionate mercy. So there's this talk that James is speaking of: a patience and perseverance, waiting on the Lord. Remember in the Old Testament. We're told to wait upon the Lord, and He will do what He will renew our strength. And we will rise up like on wings of eagles. Those who wait on the Lord. How many times do we wait on the Lord? How many times do we get frightened? How many times do we want to quit? How many times do we just want to do our own thing and am I getting the desired result that I want? Me, 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 me. Right? Those that wait on the... It's this concept of patience. And either you believe in the sovereignty of God that He's in control no matter how you feel, you don't, a faith that lasts is a a faith that is patient and will persevere, we can trust in God because he is in control, he talks about the farmer, how does a farmer display a godly patience, can you think about that, a farmer who does all the work of of tilling the soil and plowing the soil, planting the seed and and doing all the things that it takes to grow a, a crop and then day after day. Keeping an eye on that crop. Day. Because it doesn't just sprout up overnight. It's patience. It's in there it's like watching paint dry, right? Day after day. Look at, oh, I got a little sprout. Oh, there's a little green. It's sticking out. Then wait for the rain to come. Oh, check, in, check in the weather. Oh, it's on the rain today. I'm feeling it in my joints. Oh, yeah, I got another leaf. Here we go. Can you imagine the patience that there, Waiting, waiting, waiting on that crop. Because it's like, what's the yield of harvest? It's this livelihood. And there's sometimes we're praying and we're, we're believing for God to move. Sometimes we don't, we don't see it again the way that we think we ought to. Sometimes we don't get the answer even that we think we should get. It takes patience, perseverance, it takes faith to believe. God said, I promise, it will come to pass. Don't give up. Come on, church, don't give up. Don't quit. Have a faith that lasts. The prophets had to be patient with people. You know, ministry can be frustrating sometimes. Because people don't always listen. People don't always get it. Sometimes life change takes a long time, I have a pastor friend, a mentor of mine, who said that's why he likes to mow his own grass, because he can see instant change, whereas we don't always see that in ministry. It takes time pouring into something. It takes time of drilling it in. you got to make the next right choice, the next right thing. Come on, you've got to, you've got to pray, you got to believe, you've got to read your Bible, and sometimes it's, it's a struggle. And I believe that's how the prophet would experience those things. No matter what you're suffering today, James, at the end of this verse, he he gives us, he closes it all out, and and verse 11 says, hey listen, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. James 5.12, you read up, it said, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. We have to learn to be prayerful, even in sorrow. Verses 13 through 16. Anyone among you in trouble, let them pray. Is anyone happy, let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Y'all still believe in that today? Okay, good. I, I thought I was in the right place. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If you have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We have to learn to be prayerful in sorrow. Pray when you're hurt. Pray when you're happy. Pray for others. Prayer. It's a simple concept that we learn early on in our walk with Christ. We learn it in in our classes. We talk about it oftentimes. how, How often do we really do it? How often do we really trust in it? Pray when you're hurt and pray when you're happy. And pray with other people. The, the Bible talks about uh, this using the oil, laying hands on people. The oil is not medicinal, it's not sacramental, but it's symbolic. It's symbolic of the power and the presence of God. And that's what changes things, and that's why we use it. We're meant to pray for ourselves. We're meant to pray with other people. We're meant to pray as a church, as a body of believers. But, uh, James mentions confessing our sins to each other. Not that that we have the power to forgive, because that's God. He forgives us. But there is power in accountability. When we say, hey, man, I'm struggling with this thing, and and I've been praying about it, but I'm struggling with this. And there's power in that accountability. There's power in in trusting in someone to confide in them and and to walk through that that thing, that struggle together. And when we're supposed to do that, oftentimes we're ashamed. And so we, we never talk about it, we never do anything about it, so we never get victory over it. James says, listen, we we pray with each other. We confess our sins with each other. There's this this aspect of community that James is talking about that should happen within a church. We should come together. We're better together. That's one of our core values here. We're better together. We pray together. We believe together. We see miracles together. Confess our sins to each other. Sin hinders prayer. Holds back God's healing power. Sin directly causes some sickness. Sin indirectly causes all sickness. Now, if someone isn't healed, do they have sin in their lives? No, not necessarily. And let's not use that against people, right? Because I've heard people do that, and it's it's not cool. Why are some not healed then? Well, I don't know. But guess what? I trust in the sovereignty of God, and He is in control. Just keep praying, keep praying, keep believing, keep interceding on the behalf of others. You want to know the secret of power, effective prayer? Make your wants God's wants. Make your wants, God, yet not my will, but your will be done. Lastly, as the worship team comes up, a prayer that perseveres is loving towards sinners. Loving towards sinners. James 5, 19 through 20. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sin. Listen, we, we should be reaching people. Oh, we, we should be reaching. You should be personally leading people to Jesus. Pastor, that's your job. No, it's all If you've given your life to Christ and Jesus has changed your life, if you've been saved, set free, delivered, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, it's your job too to go into all the world. Your world might look like your backyard, your neighborhood, your school, your team, your job, your family. We're called to reach people. We should be celebrating salvations every week. And if we're not, we need to stop and say, what in the world is going on? Who have I talked to this week about the Lord? A little girl treated her mother badly because she was ashamed of her. She never invited her friends around. Never invited her mom to function, school functions, plays, game, any of that kind of stuff. You see, her mom had this really bad scar on her face. And she was ashamed of her mom. We want people to be around and, and see it. Finally, mom just has a moment one day and says, sweetie, what's the deal? Why don't you ever invite your friends around me? How come you don't invite me to your, your school functions and things? She's like, well, well, mom, to be honest, you got this really bad scar on your face, and I'm kind of, kind of ashamed of it. So mom's like, here, sit down. Let me, let me tell you a story of how I've gotten. This scarf. So when you were a baby, I put you down for a nap, and I went outside to draw some water from the well. And as I'm pumping and drawing the water from the well, I turned for just a minute, and I saw that the house was on fire. There was smoke, and I, and I saw some flames. And so I, I ran into the house, and I, I ran to where you were in your crib, and I, and I grabbed you, and I, and I tried to leave the house, but this beam. Fell and, it, and it hit me in the face and knocked me to the ground. And as I fell to the ground, the beam didn't just hit me in the face; it kind of, kind of stayed there for a minute and, and, and it seared, seared into my face. But I was able to throw you to safety. And that's how I got this scar, saving, me. saving your life. The only reason I have this scar is because I risked my life to save you. You know, Jesus has some scars too, doesn't he? He's got scars on his wrist, scars on his ankle, scar on his side. He got those scars because you and I, we we were on our way to hell. We were on our way, separated from the Holy God forever. But Jesus looked down. He didn't want us to suffer the consequences of sin. So he told the Father, yeah, I'll go, I'll go, I'll take their place, I'll pay that price and I'll shed my blood for them. So he came down and he stretched out on the cross and nailed his hands and feet and stuck a spear in his side. So guess what, the next time you don't want to tell anybody about him or what he's done in your life, don't you remember those scars? The next time you don't want to live for him, the next time you feel like, man, I just want to quit, remember those scars. Remember what Jesus did on that cross for you. And remember to tell him you'll follow him all the days of your life. Come on, will you stand with me this morning? A faith that works is only possible by the gracious gospel of Jesus Christ. It's only possible because Jesus died, shed his blood, rose again for you and for me die for us so that we will live. But not just live for ourselves, but live for His glory. Think about what God has done for you. Think about how He has changed your life. Think of all the things that He has done and and continues to do in you. And because of that, because of who He is, really, we should give Him our life. We should give Him our devotion. We should give Him our time, our talents, our treasures. Come on, He owes us nothing. We owe Him everything. Come on, will you give in your life today? Don't quit. Don't give up. I know there's times that are tough, but I don't want to. I don't want to make light of any suffering or anything that you've been through or ever have gone through or maybe going through right now. But man, don't quit. Now's the time for God to do something. Now's the time for a miracle. Come on, I don't want to just sing about miracles. I want to experience them. I don't want to just sing about a move of God. I want to be in the move of God. Come on, don't quit. Don't quit. Come on, when you close your eyes, I'm across this room. Maybe you're here today and you're a bit you're like, Pastor, yes, I'm on that break, I want to quit. My faith is holding on by extreme, if anything at all. And God, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to give up. If that's you, can you just slip your hand up, no one's looking around? Come on. I, I just want to pray with you. If that's you, you're saying, man, I'm, I'm ready to quit. I'm ready to give up. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's life maybe it's your relationship with God maybe it's a number of different things and I'm ready to quit come on, don't quit don't quit Father. right now if there be anybody in this room maybe they're on the, the edge God would you encourage me God for that the faith would rise up within us God that we wouldn't quit God that we'd hang in there that we'd dig our heels in a little bit more God that we'd have patience we'd have perseverance God we trust in a God that is in control, even if we don't see it. God, you're sovereign. You're in control. You're in control, God. You're sovereign over my suffering, Lord. You're sovereign over my good day. You're sovereign over what that is. God, let us have hope in that. God, let us find peace and strength and comfort in that.